0: Can we give Jesus praise? Can we give our Lord and Savior Jesus praise? He's the one that deserves it. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What a joy it is to be here in North Carolina, my first time here. And uh, the hospitality of uh, the North Carolinians. Um has been amazing, but particularly the New Hope family. Uh, It's just been such a joy to meet some of you and to connect, Uh, and again, for my dear brother, uh, just such a blessing uh, to be here. I really believe uh, that we have a word from the Lord today. Uh, So can we pray as we ask God to speak to us? God, we honor you for the worship that's been lifted to your name. We pray that you were pleased. We were singing to you. We pray that your heart was pleased. And now, God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather collectively around your word. Those that are here in person, those that are viewing online, we thank you that your word speaks to us, your words are spirit in their life. Your word does not return unto you void or empty, but it accomplishes what you purpose and please. God, what you do today, only what you can do. We'll be so careful to not give any glory or praise to a person or to a place, but to you. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior that we pray. And all that agree with that said amen Amen. and amen. Give the Lord one more hand of praise. Amen. We'll be in the New Testament just really drawing from one scripture uh, in 3 John uh, 1, uh, verse uh, 2. Uh, 3 John uh, 1 and verse 2. And it says in the NIV translation, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Let me read that again. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well I want you to help me announce the subject of this message if you don't mind I'm not, you may not like the person sitting next to you, but just for a minute pretend like it uh, Ask your neighbor this question say neighbor yeah. Okay, some of y'all don't get it. What am right? So I'm gonna ask you To ask the person next to you a question and so you turn to the person Next, but some of you are saying, but what if I turn that way and then they turn the other way? Then just talk to the back of the head, be obedient and God will bless you. So turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, neighbor, are you making your soul a priority? Great job. I wanna talk from the subject soul priority. soul priority, soul priority. You all, we prioritize the things that matter and mean the most. If you want to figure out what a person is really into, what they really value, what's really significant in his or her life, uh, you will find out uh, where it ranks on the actions and the intentions and the investments that they make. Uh, Some people really have a priority for their car to always be clean, and you'll find them in a car wash on a daily basis, or they'll even own car wash materials. Those are the real people that own, like, stuff to clean their car because... A clean car is a priority. Others of you are always uh, lifelong learners. Uh, there'll always be a book, either in a Kindle or in your bag, because you prioritize reading and learning. You're always desiring that. Those things are great, you all. It's great to have clean cars. It's great to learn, and uh, and for many of us, we prioritize, uh, you know, family, and we prioritize good things. But you all, it's so important that we prioritize sometimes those things that are unseen. Stephen Covey uh, said once that sometimes we can do things that are, uh, things that are screaming at us and demanding our attention, we'll give them attention. But the things that do not scream at us, that really demand our attention, because they're not screaming at us, we won't invest time in those areas. But those are sometimes the most significant areas. And so you all, when we talk about the soul, it is an unseen part of us. It's the part of us, you all, that is really most like God. The Bible says in the beginning when God created all the earth and created all the animals and plant life, he did something very unique and particular uh, for humanity. The Bible says he took man and formed him out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then it said these words, and at that point, man became a living soul. So you all, uh, humanity, human beings, we're the only creatures that possess a soul. Indeed, it is the soul that is saved. It is the soul that is redeemed. It's it's the soul that God is after, right? That's the real part of us is our soul. And as the soul has been made uh, uh, from God, it's also made in the likeness of God. God is a triune God, and your soul is a tripartite entity. So let me just say it again. So the nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit, three in one, that's the nature of God, God in three persons. So when God breathed into you and me, he breathed his likeness. And so he gave us a soul that also comprises three parts. The soul comprises the mind, it comprises the emotions, and it comprises the will. Let me say it again. The soul is the mind. It's how we think, and it controls uh, our soul is also our emotions or our feelings, and then it is the ability that we have, unlike any other created thing, to decide, to have a will. Our animals are instinctual. They don't decide. They just do, right? How many of y'all have dogs? They just do, and sometimes do-do. All right. So, <laughs> All right, so, uh, so you all, because we are made in the nature of God and in the image of God and the likeness of God, this three-part part of us, the soul, uh, has the ability to think a certain way, feel a certain way, and based on how we think, based on how we feel, we then do. So our actions are a direct output for our thinking and our feelings, So if you want to find out the condition of a person's soul, look at what they do. Because what we do has been greatly impacted by how we think and how we feel. So if you want to change what you do, you don't start at the doing. You start at the thinking and the feeling which affects the doing. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So you if you want to change stinking acting you got to change some stinking thinking. Yeah. If you want to change some bad actions or bad responses or bad living, then you got to change the appetites and desires and feelings that we have. And so the Bible tells us that the person who wins souls is wise. I grew up in the Baptist church, you all, and actually I got uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit a little bit later, so I'm kind of like a Baptocostal Pentabaptist. Um, yeah. And, and what I learned, you all, uh, early on in life is that when people said go soul winning, I thought that meant just going out and asking somebody, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven if you died today? like, no, I just got through drinking last night. I ain't sure. And I'm like, well, pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer, you can be sure. So they would say, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me, Lord. i say, amen. And i go back and say, guess what? I just won a soul. Now, you all, I do believe that people can be saved that way. I believe that some people can hear the gospel, hear the good news of Jesus, and instantly submit to his lordship. I do believe that. But, but to win a soul requires wisdom. And we often think that soul winning has to do with lost people. I submit to you, those that are watching online, those that are in person right now, that God is trying to win your soul. Well, wait a minute, pastor, wait a minute. I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. What do you mean? He's trying to win my soul. I love the Lord with all my heart, all my, all, all your mind. So the question is, not how much uh, of, of, of God do you have, but how much of you does he have? How do you think? What are your appetites and feelings? Because indeed, how you think and how you feel will determine what you do, which will end up being your life. John says to uh, Gaius, this elder friend of his that we believe in Romans chapter 6 was someone that was uh, showed him great hospitality, and we believe this is someone that he really looked up to. He said, I'm writing to my friend, and he said, I want to just pray a prayer over my friend. He said, I pray above all things. I pray more than anything in the world that this would happen to you, that you would prosper it says in the King James and be in good health uh it says in the NIV that that things would get along well with, that you would be in health and that things would go well with you how many of you all you want things to go well with you yeah no, none of us don't want things to get better we want to get better we want things to go well with us but notice what he says he says I pray that you get well even as your soul is getting along well So he draws a direct connection in parallel to soul prosperity, to natural prosperity. So if you want to see if a person is doing well, don't just look at what's happening on the surface. But let's look at what's happening underneath the surface. Uh, Guess what I've learned about Christians? We could win Academy Awards. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. You could win an Academy Award. Uh, How are you doing this morning? Blessed of the Lord and highly favored. How are you? Come on, right? Uh, Listen, y'all, some of y'all drove here with your spouse. You were mad all the way till you got here. But don't look at me like that. And the moment you got out the car, right, telling your kids, you better smile, right? Listen, y'all, many of us have learned how to pretend that our inner life is okay and that it matches our outer life. Integrity, integrity is when your inner life matches your outer life. And God desires that there not be a huge gap between what we show to other people and who you are when ain't nobody looking. Amen. So you are, I'm so grateful to God for this series. And the courage that it took for this pastor and this church to lean into this, not just a Sunday or a couple of Sundays, but for seven weeks. Because right now, you all in our world and in our nation in particular, and even in the church, we are struggling with a mental health crisis. And what's so different about this crisis is that in other areas of health, there's no debate about what to do. There's no stigma and there's no shame. When you break your arm, you don't go through kind of like a... like. What, what are people going to think if they see my broke arm? Wow, I, 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 I don't want nobody to know. I don't want nobody to know that my arm is broke. I'm going to try to hide it. And when you go to the doctor, there's no stigma. You don't worry about people wondering, uh, are they going to see me go to get a cast? Why is there such negative thought, negative connotation around your mind and emotions being broke, but there's no negativity about your broke arm. A broke mind can be repaired just like a broke arm. Amen. I'm black. (laughs) Some of y'all didn't know. I've been that way for a long time. And growing up as African-American, uh, we, we, we did not view uh, mental health and uh, often getting help in that area the same way as many other communities. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, we just take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> you know, folk have been traumatized, abused, been through heinous things. And we would go to church and try to shout it out and Pray for the oil of the the bishop or the apostle to lay hands on us. And I do believe that God can move in that way. But you all, that would be the same as a broke arm. And God can heal a broken arm. But everybody with a broken arm doesn't wait for the bishop to put oil on their hand to get the arm fixed. They go to the doctor that deals with arms. There are doctors that deal with your mind. So, I met my brother at Willow Creek Church, and I told my pastor, Pastor Meeks, I said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm going back to Willow Creek. He said, why, why not, man? It's a great church, and they're doing great things. I said, they are. I said, but I'm really concerned about the preachers and the pastors there. He said, why? I said, every pastor that picks me up as we're walking, as we're driving to the church, they tell me they just, they just, they just got back uh, from their therapy session. <laughs> This is before my journey to mental health. So I'm like, so they all crazy. (laughs) It's the truth, every single one of them that picked me up said, and yeah, I talked to my therapist the other day, I'm like, well drop me off and give me an Uber because I'm not sure (laughs) what's going on with y'all. So I grew up in this atmosphere and this mindset that you don't go and seek help for things underneath the surface. But the Bible says God's desire is that you and I get better and get well, even as the unseen part of us gets better. That means the way we think, our mind and mindset getting better. The appetites and desires and feelings that we have about things in life, that those appetites and feelings align with God and get better. And that thusly the decisions that we make as a result of how we think and how we feel that the decisions would get better. All of us want it, but not all of us want to do the things for that to happen. So let me just say, first of all, we can go to God, and I encourage you to do that. I'm not saying that God can't because he can do whatever. He can heal that broken arm. He can, he can heal cancer. He can, he, can, he can turn the situation around. He can regulate a mind that's been broken. He can do that. But as you seek God and maybe go to God in prayer and trust him and you don't see necessarily the manifestation of that happening, just like you would about your arm. You're not saying God is not able. God, I came to you asking that you would heal me. But God, for some reason in your divine providence and your divine purpose, you've not chosen to heal me directly. So can you use one of the people in the earth that you control? The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof the world and the doctors and the therapists that dwelled therein so can you use one of them to help me you all i uh i grew up on the south side of chicago to a single parent mom who uh, raised me in the church raised me in the fear of the lord just an amazing mom uh as as an only child and growing up in poverty my mom made sure that i got the best education She sometimes would work two jobs to ensure that I went to the best private schools. I went to a Jesuit prep school, took Latin. What black brother from the south side of Chicago? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Took Latin, right? Um, Went to Northwestern University, and uh, my, my, my mom just invested so much in my life. But during the early years of my life, there was a season where someone was in her life that traumatized me, abused me. And abused me not just a little, but a lot over the course of almost a decade. And the person who did the abusing was a leader in the church. So the devil wanted to keep me away from God. And the devil wanted me to grow up dysfunctional because of the abuse. And don't you wonder, God, if you're omnipotent, why didn't you protect me? God, if you're good, why didn't you jump in and intervene from this happening? If you are who you say you are, then why would one of your servants do that to me? The questions went on and on and on. But guess what you learned to do? You learned to cope. And you learned to mask. And you learned to figure out what to do to just get by. And so I became an adult got married to my high school sweetheart, have a daughter that's amazing, ended up going into ministry of all things, becoming a pastor. But about nine years ago, realizing that Harvey Carey, this now great, you know, uh, pastor of people, I assume, but somebody that God has used to preach around the world, that with all of this renown and all of this fame and all of this favor was broken. Hated myself. Hear me well. I'm not talking about dislike. Hated to the point that I tried to kill myself several times. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Let me just say this, uh, devil. You thought you had them. And the fact that they're in here right now, you better know that what you thought you had, you just missed it. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. And so here I am, on the outside, of public success, but on the inside, a failure. On the outside, Harvey, the life of the party, but on the inside, depressed, self-loathing. And so, about nine years ago, I said to the leaders of my church and to some other people, I said, listen, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And before something happens... Let me get ahead of this. Let me be proactive and not reactive. And so I'm going to go see, take some time away, but I'm also going to see a therapist. And for the first time, I sat down and began to share parts of me that I did not even remember. Because when you are trying to heal from trauma, you compartmentalize and you block out certain stuff so you can still live. I'm talking to somebody. So you act like you're okay and you don't want to have triggers that remind you so you don't want to smell certain scents and you don't want to go in certain neighborhoods. And you'll t- Don't look at me like that. You'll drive around so you don't go by your ex's house. And so that was my life. A public success, but a private failure. And I learned in therapy that there are these things called neurological pathways. And simply what it is is like a record, where over time, certain types of thinking become ingrained in your mind to the point that you default to that thinking without even any knowledge. And the only way that you can be healed from that default thinking is to form another healthier neurological pathway. Now, how in the heck are you going to figure that out on your own? Come on now, as bad as you are, how you just going be, oh, I think it's a flawed neurological pathway that I must, you know. You're not going to know that. Don't act like you're that deep. You are not that deep. So I had to sit there and go through this healing and Go to places I didn't want to go, but by the and because I was such a public success and private failure. Watch this now. The only time I was happy was on a stage. I needed the people because if the people were not clapping and the people were not affirming, Harvey is a failure. So every time I would get off the stage, Pastor, Harvey had to come back. And I hated that part. In the middle of this season of being away from my church for nine months, by the way, founding pastor of my church, nine months away. Now, that's some serious being away. During that time, my mother died had dinner with her one minute, she called me saying, come get me, and she was in a coma by the time I got to her. 70 years old, had not been sick. I would not have mentally been able to make it through that had I not gotten on the journey of getting my mind and my emotions right, but I preached my mama's funeral. What am I saying to us? If indeed God's desire is that you get along well in your life, it must start with getting your mind right. And the way to get your mind right is twofold. One is renewing your mind by the word of God. Let me tell you something. I know some of us, and listen, ain't no shade, ain't no shame. Thankful for those that are watching online. Really, for really real. Really glad that you're watching online. No problem at all. And as a matter of fact, I believe that there are many of you all that are faithful uh, online attenders, and we're grateful. And for that, praise God. But one thing that you get online and those that are here in person get is that the words of God are spirit and life. That means that when you go through your life and you've been beat down and you've been abused and you've been traumatized, you need a word from the Lord. And one word from God can turn everything around. Amen. Oh, yeah. So some of y'all don't know why people are so into the word. Why are they into the word? What's with them weird people that go to church like that? What's with those weirdos over there at the church? They're always in the Bible. Don't nobody ask that question about you being always in your in your marijuana. Why you always drinking? We're in the Word because the Word, the Bible says, is able to renew my mind. And I don't know about you, but my mind needs a lot of renewing, so I need as much Word as possible. Hey, remember remember back in the day, y'all, when we had to have uh, the Bible on cassette tape? Young people, y'all don't know nothing about that. But back in the day, we were real spiritual because we had the Old and New Testament on cassette. And it was a, it was a big footlocker. And we would walk around talking about, I got the Bible. <laughs> no more excuse for not having the Word of God being on regular intake. Because on your cell phone, listen, if your cell phone don't have a Bible, your, your smartphone is a dumb phone. Your smartphone is an ignorant phone. So you all, when you get the word of God and you listen to it and you hear it, it is, it's the only book that you read that, you, that reads you. And so renewing your mind, make yourself sit under the word. There may be times you don't feel like coming to church or listening, you get, you said, you know what? I don't care about how I feel. I'm gonna sit under the word because I need my mind renewed. Amen. But secondly, after the word of God has been received, after you've gone before the Lord with all your requests, God heal, God deliver, God set free. When you see that maybe adequate progress is not being made, just like you might have a, a disease or you might be struggling with an illness or struggling with a situation in the family, and you ask God and you go to the word of God, but yet the situation still remains, then why not go to professional people who can help you get better. And as a black person, back in the day, we we didn't go see no therapist. It was a stigma on that. But let me say, it changed my life. And in Jesus' name, enough shame and enough stigma around the fact that maybe you're not okay. Maybe you're not okay. So getting your mind right. But then getting our emotions right. The things that we desire. The things that we have appetite for. The things that excite us. You all, unless we start changing how we think, we'll start finding ourselves being drawn to, listen, drawn to things that make us cope with our trauma. Since it can't go away, I got to show up. So let me show up with all of the masks that I can put on called coping mechanisms. Um, my wife is extremely organized and extremely detail-oriented. I'm the polar opposite. And so you can always tell when my wife makes up the bed and when I make up the bed. Because God created something for men. It's called a comforter. And I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about that wonderful thing that enables me, regardless of how messed up things are underneath it. Cheetos and Doritos. I can just pop that comforter on top throw them little fancy pillows she buys, and it looks like the bed has been made. But when you pull that comforter back, it's a mess. But when my wife makes it, I mean, she makes sure that everything is tucked, and, and, and she makes the little sheet that, you know, goes halfway and then goes back again. I'm like, why are you gonna put it back twice? But anyway, the point being, Most of us are living our lives, thank God, with a comforter comforting us. But underneath, we got all kind of mess that has not been resolved. It's time to make up the whole bed. Enough masking it. Addictions. Addictions are connected to coping mechanisms. Depression. Depression. Isolation, coping mechanisms. And so I don't know who you are, but God loves you so much he would take seven weeks to speak to you. God would love you enough to have somebody who he did not even know knew this story and come in on the seventh week to declare that God is a healer. And that what you've been through does not have to be your story for always. So pastor, could you explain why God would allow you to go through it? I'm glad you asked. Because you cannot have a testimony without going through a test. And you cannot have ministry unless you have some misery that informs your burden. And now the very thing that tried to kill me is the very thing that in the name of Jesus, God is using for me to bring some people up out of it. Oh, give me one second. Give me one second. Give me one second. Give me one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get to you. So what's this? I didn't even think about this in the first service, Pastor. But... There's something powerful about seven. (laughs) There's something powerful when you look at the number seven and what it means about being complete. Mm -hmm. When Jericho stood up against the covenant people of God and the walls looked down at this group of people. Saying, what are you doing going to therapy? What are you doing going to church? What are you doing calling on God? You can't knock this wall down. God said, I want y'all to do something. And when you do it, the thing that has stood between you and the promise is going to come down. And in a few minutes, we're getting ready to do that. But before we do that, in the three minutes and 33 seconds I have left, (laughs) let me tell you what Jesus did. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5 that Jesus had ministered to a demoniac who had a demon called Legion, cast it out. Then there was a woman that had an issue. God ministered to her, and then there was a dead girl that he raised up. Then the chapter turns, and he goes, and he's now dealing with The bad news that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And all around him, people are coming and pulling on him. Let me just talk to you who are under trauma and have not resolved it. Isn't it funny how everybody can depend on you, but you can't depend on nobody? Isn't it amazing that you're always giving out and pouring out and giving of yourself, but ain't nobody giving back to you? So what did Jesus do? The Bible says that Jesus said, come on. Let's pull away from the crowd and let's go to a solitary place and let's get some rest for our soul. So if Jesus was smart enough to get some rest for his soul, then surely you can be smart enough to get some rest and healing and deliverance for your soul. Well, what happened after Jesus got some rest? I'm glad to ask. The 5,000 was hungry. He said, Bring that little boy. He got some rich crackers and some sardines. Fed 5,000. If you thought that was something. Then the Bible said he got in the boat and the folk were going across the water. He said, I'll see y'all in a minute. They were already out, and the Bible says Jesus came doing the moonwalk yeah. on the water. How did he feed the 5,000? How did he walk on the water? Because he took the time to rest and get his soul right. So guess what? For some of you all, I know that your personality type is not an outward person. It's exciting to watch you, Pastor. But that's just not the way that I'm watching. I am not a very vocal person and I love to receive, but I'm not a very demonstrative person when it comes to my life. Liar. Because when North Carolina plays, all of a sudden, your non-demonstrative self becomes extremely demonstrative. So do not tell me that you do not have demonstrative capacity because i've seen you in other settings show some excitement and involvement so we're getting ready by faith to believe god for some deliverance in this house we're getting ready to shut down some generational walls everybody on your feet tell somebody give me some room give me some room give me some room Now, some of y'all ain't never done this before because again, it's not your personality. (laughs) But when I count to seven, we're gonna all count together. Uh, I need you to think about what the devil has been hanging over your your head your whole life. This is gonna go with you to the grave. You'll never forgive her. You'll never be healed of what he did. You'll never be delivered of what she said. The the abandonment that you felt as, as a kid, you'll never live through that. Every lie of the devil, every scheme of the enemy that he's tried to bring against you, that symbolizes the wall. But God has a promise for you. God did not save you to be bound. God did not die on the cross and get up with all power of heaven and earth in his hand for you to not have victory. But in Jesus' name, you are about to see God begin to move and do some things you've never seen. Anybody believe God in here? So when I count to seven, when I count to seven, I want you to give God the biggest shout of faith. What am I shouting for? I'm shouting that God would begin the work of healing, that God would begin the work of deliverance, that God would renew my mind, that God would renew my appetites. Are you ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Give God. Hallelujah! Yes! In Jesus' name! In Jesus' name! God, we honor you and we bless you that sometimes, God, we've got to do things by faith that don't make sense, but it's a sign, God, that we trust you. Give us courage to seek the help that we haven't sought give us courage to believe that we can be healed remove the shame and stigma from somebody that's been battling with this illness his or her whole life oh god don't let this christmas be like last christmas don't let this thanksgiving be like last thanksgiving let them not enter into that house with shame with anger But oh God, let them come in, representing the glory of the living God. Do only what you can do. Thank you for the New Hope Church. God, would you continue to let your manifest glory and presence do this great work that you're doing through her. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that our soul is the priority. Amen, and amen, and amen. Come on somebody, give them a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on.